0: And, and welcome to the Expediters Podcast, where you can hear about front of my topics in the logistics and freight forwarding industry. Through the lens of a global logistics provider i'm your host chris parker and we are celebrating our very 10th episode with a regular good old-fashioned interview uh today i've brought in the vice president of global ocean at expediters scott kelly to talk about the difficult reality of shipment schedule integrity in the ocean transportation world and to get a better understanding of why it happens and what you can do to mitigate issues when they arise scott thank you so much for joining me today hi chris
1: thanks for having me
0: What's been your career journey with expediters and before? Like, walk me through how you've started in, in transportation all the way to vice president of Ocean.
1: Well, I uh, I started out um, joining uh, the the asset side of the business mm-hmm. and uh, worked for three very large shipping companies um, prior to joining expeditors. So I was on the asset side in the operations as well as the sales and marketing ends, as well as the management end of um, managing ter- ships, terminals and uh sales and customer service organizations. Um, I jumped over to the forwarding side about 23 years ago
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I uh, was joined expediters and and uh, I never looked back. So uh, it's been 23 years of fun um, and uh, no regrets. <laughs>
0: Good. And so why Ocean? What about it excites you? What, what kind of caught your attention when you uh, started out? Uh,
1: The truth is when I started out in the business, I wanted to see more of the world other than Boston where I grew up (laughs) and uh, learning about cultures, learning about trade and understanding what makes things tick and work around the world uh, was fascinating to me. And um, so that was really kind of what piqued my interest And what I was then, then I was recruited by a shipping company and I thought, gee, this is this is an interesting business. Let's give this a try and um fortunately for me it's been it was the right pick at the right time
0: that's great to hear very cool um well since you have lived ocean for so long uh i'm gonna ask you you know as we start into this topic let's get a better understanding of how ocean transportation works what would what's, what's the life cycle of a container ship
1: well it's changed over the years The life cycle of, of uh, most ships not just a container ship is about 25 years um On average, container ships are bought and and operate for 25 years. Mm -hmm. What we've seen in the last 10 is that carriers, because of the cost of fuel and the efficiencies of new vessels, uh, carriers and charter companies that charter the ships are scrapping vessels, selling them for scrap Mm -hmm. at a much earlier pace. So the average uh, lifespan of a ship today is 16 years.
0: Is it because they're working too hard, or they're they're breaking down sooner? Why why scrap them so early?
1: Uh, usually maintenance repairs, yeah, cost to operate and efficiency. Uh, you absolutely. know the design, the hull designs, the engine designs. Everything's much more efficient today, mm-hmm. and fuel can be up to forty percent of a operating shipping company's operating costs. It's their biggest cost, and so when they look at a new ship, um, and the price of a new ship is just a mathematic formula.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, they look at the cost of a new ship versus the cost cost of maintaining and operating an old ship um, versus how big these vessels are. I mean, you know, over the last 20 years, <clears throat> ships are almost operating twice as large for the same cost in terms of slots. So there's a lot of opportunity for,
0: you said you know they're they're a lot more efficient nowadays the 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 pace of innovation and and improvements for ships is that do you feel like that's kind of speeding up or are we kind of leveling out and finding like a nice steady pace to keep our uh, to keep container ships around?
1: No, it's most definitely advanced. yeah the ability uh, for CAD design and analysis and 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 um and also manufacturing um, is so much faster than it was. 20 30 years ago yeah um so 20 30 years ago would take about five to six years to build a ship between ordering planning shipyard planning and building today it's about two and a half years
0: whoa (laughs) that's that's crazy fast yeah wow okay yeah um Help me understand, I guess then, so, so that's the life cycle of a ship. What about the, the life cycle of a of a shipment? Um, not so much the containers on, on, on themselves, but when a container ship itself um, starts from point A to point B, or rather comes back around to point A, what does that look like?
1: Well, that, that's a function of, a, of what's called a rotation. So the ships have strings. Mm-hmm. They may run anywhere from 1 to 8 to 12 strings in a, in a given trade lane. Mm -hmm. And those rotations have fixed schedules. So they go on a rotation and generally they take, uh, the the ship seem to like, the carriers seem to like to optimize anywhere from eight to 12 ship rotations. And so what they try to do is they wrote, they set up a rotation. A at the, at the places where they feel they have marketing strength Mm -hmm. uh, and volume and B where they, they can gain some efficiency relative to, um, Running the vessels themselves and cost, uh, mm. because shipside costs are the second largest cost. Uh, um, so they, where you know they want to run those ships into into various ports where at the times when they can load up, maximize revenue and mitigate costs. So those rotations uh, happen with a number of port calls,
2: mm-hmm.
1: one way and then and then the then the other, if you will, they call it a head haul and a back haul, and then uh, those those rotations happen. Uh, according to a ship schedule so mm-hmm. that's all well laid out so it's called a pro forma ship schedule and they lay out the when the sh- where the ships are going to go and when they're going to go into port and then they further lay out berthing times which is the time that the, the container ship can pull up to the to the berth, mm-hmm. tie up and discharge and load mm-hmm. so it's down to that level it's it's not uh things you know in ports it's not a queue where first in gets first in And the next guy's in line, there's very specific tie up times set up. Um, and that's because a, the, the, the operator on the yard side, on the land side needs to manage the flow of containers. And they also need to ensure that they have labor and Mm -hmm. plan for labor to load and discharge that vessel.
0: And so now that we're talking you know about schedule reliability, how how are those things measured when they're when they're kind of crafting these schedules out, you know getting down to that that birthing time level, um, what's being measured in order to uh, build out those schedules?
1: Well, on time is considered within twenty four hours of the schedule. okay. So um, that is what's considered on time. Uh, Today, on a global level, we're seeing the ship schedules running, the integrity of those schedules running at about 40% of the schedule that is set up pro forma. So, you know, 60% of the time the ship is early, late, or just not there when it's supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. And that's a function of uh, a a lot of (laughs) different, a lot of environments, a lot of things that have changed the environment. So that's a function of uh, the huge, massive volume that's coming out of Asia to the United States and Europe. Those are the two big trades that are struggling right now with the schedule mm-hmm. integrity. And if you look at most of the world's cargo travels east, west, not north, south. Right, right. So the major challenges are Asia, to the United States, Asia to Europe and Europe to the United States, east, west. Mm-hmm. And uh, because of the enormous uh, influx of volume, um, heavily driven by automotive and retail. Yeah. Um, we're seeing that the the uh, there's, there's been a number of uh, challenges in the business that have caused the ship schedule integrity to change. And um, what's caused that is a the volume, b congestion in the terminals, mm-hmm. c equipment availability, and then d dwell times. And dwell times are very very challenging to the industry at the moment in key origin and destination ports is more it's it's better in some places and worse than others but it's very very challenging and that's a function really of the volume
0: so there's too much volume that then at sea that the that then the ports can handle you said there's you know not as much equipment out there are there too many ships out on the ocean right now
1: no there's enough ships it's interesting if you really look at the number of ships and the number of containers for equipment availability hmm there is the supply demand uh, ratio is almost balanced. Huh. Uh, there's a little more demand than supply, but it's it's tight. But you know, if you just look at it, at pure numbers, the right. challenge is that the ships are not on time, and the equipment is in the wrong place, and that's oh, where dwell okay. times come in. Oh, okay. So okay. what we're seeing with dwell times in in a place uh, like the Pacific Southwest is that we're seeing dwell times go in the terminal from the side ship side to out gate. Go from three days to nine days, seven to nine days, depending on the terminal
0: Wow, and that has to be throwing things way out of whack afterward, right? I mean you youre either late and everything is almost exponentially impacted afterward in, in the rest of the rotation
1: correct and that, and in in addition to that, uh, we also look at outgate the, from when it goes out to when it's returned to the to the terminal empty
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that time has gone from three. To ten to twelve days, depending on the the, the location. Mm-hmm. So, if you think about that um, in terminal alone, where you go three to nine, you need three times more, three times as much equipment to service the same business. Wow. So, what was what we're finding, and what's causing container shortages at origin, is that the cargo is sitting in containers at destination mm-hmm. for longer periods, much longer periods of time, because at at the moment. Uh, You know, warehouses and distribution centers are full Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and labor has been challenging caused by COVID. Inconsistent labor to be able to discharge those containers.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Wouldn't anyone be able to just, you know, look at these numbers and say, hey, let's let's uh, kind of do a reset on these schedules and get everything back on time. I mean, what what could that look like?
1: It's absolutely what the carriers are trying to do. They're trying to get get back on schedule immediately. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing about that, though, is um, they actually would bring they would likely bring in even more ships if mm-hmm. uh, to help supplement and service the business. But the fact is, is every ship that can that can travel and carry a container currently is in use. It's mm-hmm. under use. It's being used and it's and it's chartered. So there's no slack capacity out there to go um, charter a couple of vessels and 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 run them. You know, a one off special. Mm-hmm. run to help uh, uh alleviate um uh challenges at the moment the the um uh, the terminals at origin are doing fine in asia they're mm-hmm. a little congested and and they're backed up in southeast asia particularly
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh china seems to be okay a little tight um but the the destination terminals are are challenged
0: gotcha yeah i mean michelle weaver a couple episodes ago she joked about you know seeing lax just tied up and, and tons of container ships, you know, uh, waiting to get unloaded. Uh, I cannot imagine how much, <laughs> how many customers would be upset, you know, further down the line as it has to make other stops and, and how those delays just kind of compound.
1: Right. Exactly. Like I said, those ships are waiting um, and, they, and they may have had a birth time that they missed. Yeah. So now they're waiting for an opening. Uh, gotcha. and so, you know, again, it, it's this backup situation. It's, uh, you've, you've got terminal terminals full because people, because the, the, the cargo wasn't flowing out mm-hmm. uh, fast enough. And then you have ships waiting to tie up to the terminal until the terminal clears out, they can't, they can't bring a ship in and, and discharge it. Cause there's no place to put the containers. And so what we're seeing when ships careful, when ships are tied up in LA, their average mm. wait time is about six days wow now they may or may not all always be anchoring Mm -hmm. but when they do anchor and and we're averaging about uh, 20 to 27 containers a day on anchor Mm -hmm. uh, in la waiting waiting for birthing times but when they do sit they sit for six days and that means they totally miss their their birthing time and they're in the queue for the next opening
0: yeah yeah they have, and so, yeah, so further destinations later on, they're just getting pushed further and further back of the line. Which, causes,
1: which which exacerbates the schedule integrity problem.
0: Yeah, yeah, so if you think about
1: it, I mean, we're very, very busy right now. But if you took thirty ships and put them back in the trans-pacific trade for the week that they're sitting, yeah, that capacity would ease things up pretty significantly. But sure. this there's, again, this' there's, there's a there's a challenge of the uh, the volume, the berthing times, the throughput, right. uh, and the dwell times. So, um we built a number of tools for our customers to help them isolate and and understand dwell time so that they can expand their their supply cycles um expanding them you know at the moment
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, you know 7 to 14 days mm-hmm. to ensure that they're planning and and you know they have their warehouse labor they they understand where their cargo is and they're understanding when they're going to get their hands on, on freight.
0: If delays are known and they're almost expected at this point, why is it hard to track and mitigate before the ship even comes to berth? I mean, can the terminal not, um, kind of shift the schedule around to, to find a, a good slot for them, um, or anticipate that? I mean, why is it hard to, I guess, account for all of it?
1: Well, the, the, the challenge, the challenges is there's, there's, uh, there's multiple sources, uh, of information for, uh, ship schedules, mm-hmm. ship location, and, um, and 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 ship lo- location relative to where they are versus their birthing time. Hmm. Uh, we are building tools at the moment to isolate, pull all the different data sources together, and uh, and and build out models that will uh, give our customers better insight to when they're going to be able to see that cargo on the ground at the destination terminal and 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 handle it and, and get their hands on it. Gotcha. So. The, re, the you know without talking in specifics about how we get the data, but there are a number of there's a number of different sources, mm-hmm. uh, including from the carrier, um, that's one of them. But there's multiple other sources that we we are working with to isolate and understand what is an expected when can the customer expecting see the, the 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 cargo available. I would want to point out that um, yeah. you know we have built out. And uh, are currently giving our customers information about dwell times in the top thirty ports in the world. So we have that information so that they can build in expected loss in transit time because mm-hmm. of congestion and because uh, of how long cargo is sitting. So you know we know that uh, at the terminal level, all the way down to the terminal level, specifically, which terminals uh, uh, are more congested than others and what we're seeing for dwell time from ship side to outgate and then outgate back. Um, which and also shipside to outgate to rail, okay, which is important because right. there's a little bit of dwell time lost there as well. It's about yeah, seven absolutely. days. So we have all that information as well as uh, information on how long ships are sitting waiting, mm-hmm. um, and that's all being published every Monday. Uh, and and we have uh, our sales and marketing teams have all that information. They can get to all our customers, mm-hmm. and uh, that's available right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. We've talked about the issues as a whole, but today, uh, you know, I've read some uh, articles that were saying like this past season was one of the hardest in terms of shipment uh, scheduled integrity, you know, down as far as I think I saw like 35% or 39% or something like that. What, ca- yeah, what, what caused that and why is that different than what we've seen in the past?
1: Uh, like I said, the, the the cause is extreme, extremely high volumes, inability for carriers to bring in extra ships to service the extra volume because the, the entire, every container ship in the world is currently being used. So there's Mm -hmm. no free, there's no free charters out there that that you could pick up. Uh, and then the terminal uh, congestion and dwell time problem. Mm -hmm. And so, like I said, when a ship sits for a week, the entire strings, schedule integrity is lost. One ship could cause the entire string, eight other ships to have schedule integrity problems. So when you have eight other, Ships having the same problem when they, when they get to a destination location yeah. sitting and waiting, then the entire uh, merry-go-round, if you will, is <laughs> way, is way off. And yeah. it is like a merry-go-round. It just goes in rotation. And uh, so then each ship and each port is running late. It's not on time. And then they're all waiting for birthing times uh, when they can get into a terminal, their terminal mm-hmm. and tie up and discharge or load. Mm-hmm. So that just exacerbates the situation.
0: So given all the impacts that, that are happening, um, how is the industry responding? How can we, you know, as forwarders respond to these kinds of things to get the schedules back on time? That's a great
1: question. So uh, Chris, the first thing is, is that it, right at when a customer makes the booking, right. the booking integrity, meaning you book 10, you show up with 10 on the ship with the type of equipment that you're looking for, that integrity itself uh, changes about 30% of the time. Really? Yeah. Um, so yes, which causes more challenges relative to supplying the equipment, relative mm-hmm. to planning a ship, relative to getting getting up and loaded on a vessel with some schedule and with some load integrity, meaning you're booked, you get on the vessel. So the first, first of all, is shipper booking integrity. That's a, that's the first part. The second part is I think the a big part of that uh, challenge is the terminals at destination. Mm. The the Congested terminals as destination. The dwell times is is a is a big problem for the carriers. Today, a terminal, a, a fully uh, loaded terminal, fully used, is mm. about eighty five percent of the square yards or square meters mm. of the terminal itself. So, if eighty five percent of the that the the ground is covered with containers, that's considered full. Today in L.A., mm. we're seeing those terminals at in in the mid nineties. Wow. So um and it's rare that you even used to see, you know, containers container terminals full to that level to the yeah. mid they
0: They're just packed to the gills over there.
1: <laughs> they're just yes. And what, what, what ends up happening is when they're packed to the gills, that's when cargo gets buried.
0: Yeah, which takes time to dig it back out, I would I would imagine, right?
1: So two things, two things I would say uh can really help we can help us in in our businesses. One, booking integrity, and two Dwell time and 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 uh, and pulling cargo off when it's ready.
0: So it sounds like there's like then a, a level of um an a level of data then that needs to like a strong relationship with data that customers should be having, you know, with their ship or with their forwarders or with the carriers that they're working with to make sure that all the information is accurate. Like how can they decrease the margin of changes that they're having, you know, but as they're sending out their containers?
1: Um, the data certainly helps us manage what's happening and mm-hmm. understanding what's happening. And and help maybe helps and it does help us plan for us and our customers plan for uh, arrival, discharge, and delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, but in today's world, uh, you know, you you don't just uh, uh, get freight off the dock with you know pressing the enter key mm-hmm, and looking right. at your data. You have to actually have people with boots on the ground. Yeah talking to the operations and the terminal managers and prioritizing containers and and looking for solutions to help, um, the terminals and, and help ourselves and our customers get the freight off dock. Mm -hmm. And that's where our local operations really come in and and show their strength. Um, it's that local It's all those local relationships that we have, Uh, you know, because, um, each terminal is different and but there's one common denominator among them all, they want freight out the gate. Mm-hmm. They want. They do not want freight sitting in the terminal. They don't want to build a merge. They want freight out the gate.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It makes total sense, too. Um, what can customers be thinking about, or what should they be thinking about, I guess, then, to become stronger shippers? Aside from you know getting their booking integrity up, um, how can they be preparing for these delays? Or is that even the right approach to this, to be thinking that way, preparing for delays? Is there another approach that they can take to this? Uh, what
1: can our customers do? <clears throat> our customers, we can, with our help, yeah. can take a look at their cycle times and start – to understand and expand their cycle times to reflect the actual truth of the transit times are now expanded. Yeah. And the congestion is the cause, which is, you know, as I mentioned, a function of volume, uh, COVID challenges, yeah. uh, both at the terminals, but also in the warehouses and dwell time.
0: So given all these variables, you know, um, what's been your takeaway uh, from all this? And as an organization, what's expediters, uh, what's our answer to this?
1: Well, providing our customers with better data and better information about their cycle times is uh, where we're focused. Sure. If you look at um, the resources for information uh, about where vessels are and what their rotations look like and how they are tracking for schedule integrity, <clears throat> the sources of data is very fragmented. Mm-hmm. Um, so, our our uh, desire and, and 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 our focus is to provide our customers with better data as it relates to schedule integrity, both at origin, destination, transit integrity, uh, expected delivery, mm-hmm. um, all built from the various sources of data that we have combined with some machine learning to give our customers you know, a better viewpoint of when they're gonna be able to get their hands on their cargo. And understanding that they need to communicate within their organizations that freight uh, will arrive early, late, or or on time. Mm-hmm. And as we progress and as we get through this this challenges as, as an industry, there'll be there'll be other challenges in the future. But sure. <laughs> uh, giving our customers a better understanding of when they can see and under- get their hands on their cargo is where our focus is right now. And um, we'll be rolling out additional tools in the in the near future which should help our customers understand uh, exactly what's going on with ship schedules.
0: Well, very cool. Thank you so much today, Scott, for uh, talking to me about this. If people wanted to get in contact with you or to learn more about our ocean product, uh, where can they find you? Well,
1: they can find us at our corporate headquarters in Seattle, Washington. Mm -hmm. Um, You can also find me on LinkedIn and uh, feel free to contact me if I can help you.
0: Cool. Well, thank you so much for your time, Scott, and take care. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you've got questions or want to learn more about today's topic, check out the show notes for more information. And before you go, make sure you're subscribed on whatever podcast app you're using so you won't miss the next episode. To learn more about Expeditors, you can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or simply visit us at expeditors.com. Take care, and I'll see you next time.